The, the bottom, bottom line, line with, with Brad, Brad Taylor. Taylor on ESPN thirteen hundred AM and ninety two point five FM. ESPN Sports Radio thirteen hundred and ninety two five. Now for something completely different. We're gonna bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports Talk, from a handicapping perspective, good morning. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday. It's beautiful outside, and my little parking spot was open this morning. In fact, the whole little area of parking spots. Apparently, the word got out that I was mad last week. I wasn't mad. I was just like, hey, we don't like change in life. Don't make me change where I park every day for a year, but neither here nor there. 859-381-1313. That's the number to call to join in on the conversation this morning. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. Up on today's show, around 940 or so, it's our arch nemesis here in this building. He is dead air Dennis Dillon of Classic Rock 92.1. He will join us. We will give you a taste of our little pick'em contest against the point spread that we're going to have on this show this coming NFL season on Sunday mornings. I think Dennis picks his games by uh, setting up two bowls of dog food and then letting his dog walk to one, and that's the team he picks. So we'll have to put him in his place with that kind of reasoning. Of course, the NFL preseason continues today, and the local Bengals are in action tonight, of course, against the defending Super Bowl champions. Coincidence? No, just throw the Bengals against the Super Bowl champs first game of preseason. Who cares? No big deal, right? But, of course, we'll have the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Saturday edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. As always, we thank you so much for listening. But first, Sean Dunstan. The Reds won their second straight last night, this time over the Phillies, in a game where the Reds were a decided underdog, going up against Zach Wheeler, the current favorite out in the desert, to win the National League Cy Young Award. And a game where Jesse Winker was a late scratch. I'm guessing Winker looked at those numbers and said, oh, I don't want any part of this Wheeler, dude. Get me out of here. But uh, there were a couple of heroes in this game last night. But our old pal, A. Eugenio Suarez, got his first start at shortstop since May and responded with a mop-up ninth-inning home run when the game was out of hand and almost over. I remember when I was a kid, Eric Davis used to be really good at that. After his really awesome years, like in 86, 87, by the 88, 89, he was really good at that meaningless ninth inning home run to eat up the stats. But Suarez hit his 23rd home run of the season last night. Not bad. But his batting average is still only 175. And he's on his way to one of the worst seasons in baseball history. But Suarez's current situation brings to mind another perceived underachiever from days gone by. We're all looking to make a little extra cash in this world, especially today, COVID going on, everybody trying to get money wherever they can. And if you're not, you're lying to yourself. Would you walk past a $100 bill on the sidewalk? Of course not. You'd stop everything, drop everything, bend down and pick it up. So would I. But life isn't that easy. You've got to be creative and be a little bit different from the crowd. That's what we try to do on this show. Well, if you've been watching this year's Cincinnati Reds, there's one guy who stands out as a guy not living up to expectations, the aforementioned A. Eugenio Suarez. 
but he isn't the first guy to endure something like this. Back in the 80s, the good old days, eh, not really, but they were the 80s. America had two favorite baseball teams, the Atlanta Braves, the Chicago Cubs. Why? Easy. The Cubs were on WGN every afternoon. The Braves were on TBS every night. TBS, WGN, they're on every cable system in the country. And in fact, the Braves called themselves America's team. Uh-huh. Sure they were. They were in the 90s, though. That's another story. The only problem was that these teams stunk for most of the 80s. The Braves had a cup of coffee in the playoffs in 1982, and the Cubs had a huge 1984, but otherwise they were terrible. But they were the only games in town at the time because locally the Reds were only on TV about 30 or 40 times a year. But the Cubs and Braves were on every day and every night. And the announcers had to act crazy to keep the viewers involved and interested. Harry Carey was drunk on a daily basis by the seventh inning every game. And his son Skip was the master of smarm and being a smart aleck at night. And it kept baseball fans around while most seasons these teams were losing 90-plus games. But in 1985, the Cubs had just come off their miracle season in 1984 where they were arguably the biggest sports story in the country that year. But of course, as only the Cubs could do, they blew it in the playoffs that year, losing three straight playoff games to the Padres after needing only one more win to advance to the World Series. People talk about Bill Bill Buckner letting the ball go through his legs in 1986. Leon Durham made an even more egregious error in the final game of that 1984 National League Championship Series, but I digress. But in 1985, the Cubs called up a hotshot rookie shortstop named Sean Dunstan, who was the number one overall pick in the 1982 Major League Baseball draft. And the Cubs' incumbent shortstop was a guy named Larry Boa. You may remember him as a manager for the Phillies for a time. He's still on TV today. But at the time, he was a five-time All-Star and a two-time Gold Glove shortstop in the 70s. But in 1984... Boa was the only weak link the Cubs had, well, other than just simply being the Cubs. Boa never hit higher than eighth in the lineup that year in 133 games. And he had two, a 223 batting average with zero home runs in 391 at-bats. His war, minus 1.1. He was done at the age of 39. So the Cubs, thinking they were one player away from winning the World Series, and they kind of were, they brought up this kid, Sean Dustin, to replace Larry Boa. And why not? Dustin was a hot shot with an arm stronger than most pitchers and was their biggest investment, being the first overall pick. But the old school guys were upset. How could you take Boa out for this kid? Boa was the glue of this team. He's a winner. We like the cut of his gym. You know, in other words, everything we heard last summer about Terry Wilson before the season. Well, except the media honestly telling us that his new haircut means he's a better player Again, another story for another day. But Bo was gone, and here's Sean Dunstan. He's in. Mainly due to the fact that the Cubs wanted to save face from him being the number one pick. But Dunstan was a bust. In his first four full seasons, Dunstan was a good fielder, but awful at the plate. His OPS plus over those four seasons was 77, meaning he was 23% less than an average hitter over that span. But basic cable TV made Dunstan a star. Dustin was terrible at the plate. The Cubs were awful. But Dustin was voted an all-star game starter in 1988. 
Keep in mind, Dunstan hit 249 with nine home runs in 1988. How did he make the All-Star game? The fans who watched on WGN every day. How else? But in 1989, the Cubs got off to another slow start, and so did Dunstan. May 19th of that year, the Cubs were 14-15, and and Dunstan was 14 for 104. That's a 152 batting average. Yuck. And as much as the disappointment of Dunstan had been in the first four seasons, it wasn't even close to the lousiness in his fifth season, 1989. But all of a sudden, the Cubs started winning. They brought up two rookies, a guy named Jerome Walton, who was the rookie of the year, a guy named Dwight Smith, who should have been rookie of the year. And they already had two, three future Hall of Famers on that team. Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, Greg Maddox. Then they had all these role players that just filled in. And this was a playoff-bound team that even to this day I would take in Nintendo RBI Baseball 2 if I couldn't get Oakland and Ricky Henderson and Dedder Seckersley, who were cheating on the game, I digress again. But in mid-May of that season, the fans at Wrigley had had enough. More than anything, they'd had enough of Dunstan. So much for that kid that they picked number one overall in the draft. But here comes a kid that sits out in the bleachers. His name is David Sela, who lived right across the street from Wrigley Field at the time. He attended a game on May the 20th in the outfield bleachers that year and came in with a sign, something called the Sean-O-Meter, which was a sign, a sign used to signify how lousy Dunstan's batting average was on a daily basis. The sign was basically to serve two purposes. One, get himself on national cable TV. And two, mocking Sean Dunstan's lousy hitting that he was sick and tired of seeing as a Cubs fan. But something happened on that exact day that the Sean O'Meter appeared. Not only did the Cubs start to win, but Sean Dunstan start to hit. And he kept hitting. And when Dunstan took the field May the 19th, 1989, his batting average was 152. And Dustin, who admitted that he saw the sign, the Sean O'Meter sign out in the outfield, the first day it was there. The last 109 games of that season, he hit 309. And the Sean O'Meter became legend. In fact, the owner of it, David Sela, the kid who created the sign, began attending every game thinking he was the team's good luck charm and Sean Dunstan's good luck charm. 1989, the year of the Sean O'Meter, became Dunstan's best statistical season by far. And the Cubs won the National League East for only the second time in their history. But David Sela's Sean O'Meter sign became an instant hit. And Sela, a 25-year-old kid, kept showing up to games with his sign. Why not? Heck, he's unemployed. He's just spending his mom and dad's money sitting in the bleachers all summer long. Why wouldn't you do stuff like that? But as the Cubs started winning, Sela found it more difficult to get tickets. But he'd become so popular, and his Sean O'Meter had become so popular... They just let him in the game anyway. That was life in 1989. You couldn't do that now. But that's the way of the world back then. By the end of that summer, 1989, Sela, the guy with the sign, was a local star in Chicago. He'd made all the local news broadcasts. The bleacher bums take pictures with him every game with him and the sign. And the Cubs were sold out for the playoffs. But the team made sure they got Sela and his Sean O'Meter sign into the bleachers anyway. And the sign, the sign was on WGN every day, making Cena a local celebrity. And Cena started to get these offers around the nation, too. Local bars copied it. Other bleacher bums copied it. One local business offered $7,000 just to have the sign in their bar. 
And another local business offered to fly him and his sign out to San Francisco for the playoffs just as long as Sela was wearing a T-shirt with that business on the T-shirt. So Sela cashed in. And today, Sela is allegedly, it's allegedly, a successful real estate agent in the Chicagoland area. At least that's what the internet tells us. Of course, we believe everything on the internet, right? But this kid sold the signs to local establishments, made T-shirts of the signs that were such a big seller, even Sean Dunstan himself bought Sean O'Meter T-shirts for his entire team. And today, original versions of that Sean O'Meter sign resides in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, the Chicago History Museum, and the Smithsonian Institute. In other words, a down-on-his-luck kid who was unemployed made a sign mocking a terrible player that he was tired of, The player saw the sign, improved his game immediately, the team made the playoffs, and the kid cashed in. Easy, right? So if you want to make some money right now, go create a Suarez-O-Meter sign and take it to the Reds games, sit out in the left field bleachers for the rest of the year. Lord knows Suarez never hits anything to right. It's always the left field because Suarez is currently hitting 175 on pace to have one of the worst batting averages in the history of Major League Baseball. But actually, that's better than Dustin was hitting in 1989. But here's the rub. This sign that we're going to put out there, it won't be anything. If It won't be worth a dime if Suarez continues to bat under 200 all season and the Reds don't make the playoffs. So if you're banking on a Suarez hot streak, which hasn't happened in two years now, the Reds making a run to the playoffs and the Padres continuing to collapse, it's possible as Sean Dustin and the Sean O'Meter taught us in 1989. But Suarez has shown us nothing over the last two seasons to suggest a mocking sign like Suarez O'Meter would make up a bat, would make up a bat that had been given up for dead for a while now. In other words, you're gambling on a long shot. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Last night in Philadelphia, the Reds looked like they were in big trouble. They had lost a Monday night game in Cleveland, and then they lost two out of three in Atlanta, heading to Philadelphia to not only face the National League East leader, but also the favorite out in the desert to win the National League Cy Young Award in Zach Wheeler. Not only that, Zach Wink, uh, Jesse Winker excuse me, uh, scratched an hour before the game. And the Reds went off as a plus-145 underdog, but, of course, none of that mattered as the Reds put up four runs against Wheeler and won 6-1. to one. Tyler Malley has decent overall stats on the season, but when Malley starts on the road, he's outstanding. Going into last night's game, Malley had a 6-1 and one record with a 2.06 ERA on the road. And last night, no difference. Seven innings, shutout baseball, only allowing three base runners and striking out seven. But Joey Votto was the hero yet again with a three-run home run. In the fourth off Wheeler, that's 14 home runs in 19 games now for Votto. The line of demarcation for Votto this season was the first day of summer, June 21st. Since that day, Votto has hit 331 with 17 home runs and 42 RBI. And the Reds are 25-19 and 19 in those 44 games. Not a coincidence. And of course, all the talk that Votto was finished has gone away for the time being. As Votto is reminding us that he's truly a Hall of Famer, no matter what Marty Brenneman told us back in the day about him getting paid too much money to not get enough RBIs and walks were for losers. Thanks again, Marty Brenneman. But Votto is on fire right now. 
14 home runs in the last 19 games. That will get anyone into the MVP conversation. And Cincinnati will likely need to make the playoffs for any Reds player to have a shot at the MVP. And Votto would probably at this point get the votes over Castellanos. Votto probably has the best odds of all the long shots left in the MVP race. I've seen him as high as 80 to 1. That's a big if, though. The Reds for sure have to make the playoffs for Votto to even be considered for this. So you're saying that's going to happen as well. But one Reds player who's in line for winning a postseason award is Jonathan India. The rookie of the year, like all Major League Baseball awards, more about how you finish than how you start. And the Marlins pitcher, Trevor Rogers, who basically had this award wrapped up on June the 1st, he's fallen off a little bit, spent some time on the injured list, and he's only pitched eight innings over the last 30 days. That's not helping his case at all. And he's seen his ERA since then go from 2.73 to 4.08. And to make matters worse, the Marlins are so far out of contention, that means they don't have to rush this kid and make him start games down the stretch. Because why would you want to do that? Why not save him for next year? He's a rookie. So India right now, you can find him. He was a plus 500 about a week ago, a week and a half ago. Now he and Rodgers are about heads up the current co-favorites. So you can probably get him about plus 100, plus 110. Nothing more than that. But the time is now. If you want to invest in Jonathan Indian and win the Rookie of the Year, we think it's a very good prospect, especially if you can get plus money on that. Jonathan India, your Rookie of the Year. But the Reds are riding a roller coaster out in the desert themselves after losing their third straight game of the week on Wednesday night. The Reds' playoff chances were 20%, and all of a sudden it might have been time to give up. But of course, as only the Reds do this year, the Reds win two in a row, and now their chances are back up to 37%. Two days, 17% increase in chances to make the playoffs. Wow, what a comeback. Oh, wait a minute. It's not all the Reds winning those two games. It's the Padres losing two straight games to the horrendous Diamondbacks the last two nights. It's the Padres pulling a choke job to rival the 1978 Red Sox and the 1995 Angels as teams that seemed like a lock for the playoffs and kind of peed it away. But now the Reds are stalking the Padres and San Diego, losing games they're supposed to win, and not just games that they should win closely. The Diamondbacks are easily the worst team in the league right now. So the Reds gained two games that they lost on the Padres earlier in the week, and once again sit two and a half games out for the National League wild card with 45 left to play. So today, in a game you can hear right here on ESPN Radio 1300, at 92.5 at 340. It's game two of this three-game series between the Reds and Phillies. Luis Castillo will start for the Reds. 6-11 on the year. 4.53 ERA. Matt Moore for the Phillies. 1-3. 6.79 ERA. Castillo had been on an incredible run in June and July, including 13 starts in a row without giving up more than three earned runs in a game. But that changed Monday in Cleveland when Castillo allowed eight earned runs and three and a third in that one, moving his ERA up from 4.09 to 4.53. But unlike his teammates, Tyler Malley and Vladimir Gutierrez, Castillo noticeably worse on the road this season. Castillo and road starts 2-6, and 5.40 ERA. And the Reds aren't cashing tickets when Castillo starts this season either. The Reds are 9-15 and 15 in Castillo's 24 starts. That's a negative 30.5% return on investment in the desert. PU. That's as bad as bad as that sounds. It was a lot, a lot earlier 
in the season, it was a lot worse. But in the road starts, the Reds are 4-8 and eight when Castillo starts. That's a minus 29% return on investment. Even worse PU. So Castillo has not got the job done this season to help you cash tickets, despite his great run in June and July. But the Reds are 11-8 and eight this season as a road favorite. That's a 9% return on investment on the positive side. And the Reds are favored today. Matt Moore goes for the Phillies. There was a time about 10 years ago when Matt Moore was going to be a superstar in baseball. Coming up with the Tampa Rays, Moore was a playoff hero in 2011 and was a top 10 Cy Young pitcher in 2013, making the All-Star Game. And that year he had a record of 17-4 and with a 3.29 ERA. But after that, he was basically done. He was injured in 2014, and when he came back, he never had an ERA under four again, including 6.79 this season, and he's only 32 years old. It seems like he's been around for a very long time, much longer than he has. In nine starts this year, Moore does not have one quality start in any of them. The best game Moore has had this season was allowing two runs and four innings to Miami in June. Not exactly Cy Young material there. It's been so bad for Moore that he's been demoted to the bullpen twice this year. Yet somehow has found his way back to the rotation, and he finds his way back again today. But here's proof that the desert is not always fair. The Phillies are 6-3 in games when Moore starts. In fact, Matt Moore has been an underdog six of those nine starts. Very nice. And the Phillies have won every single game that Matt Moore was an underdog this season. That's amazing. That's how you get a pitcher like Moore, who's been lousy this season. That's how a pitcher like him has a 62% return on investment this year in the desert. And the Phillies have been a home underdog 19 times this year, and they're a very impressive 11-8 and in those games. That's a 29% return on investment, and the Phillies are home underdogs today. The Reds, a decisive, minus 140 favorite in this one, and that's based on the starting pitching matchup alone. The value here is on the Phillies. Neither team really used the back end of their bullpens yesterday. Speaking of bullpens, Heath Hembree gave up a run in a mop-up role in the ninth inning last night. Further proof that Hembree no longer the closer of this team. Remember when Hembree had seven saves in 23 days in July? And there was an all-star break mixed in those 23 days? Those days are long gone. Because since July 26th, Hembree has three losses and an ERA over 10. So if he's the closer, good luck. Looks like Michael Gibbons is your new closer for the time being. In seven games he's been since he's been traded to Cincinnati, Goose Gibbons has three holds, two saves, and hasn't allowed a run. Why can't we get call this Michael Gibbons, Goose Gibbons? It's good enough for Jack. Why is it not good enough for this guy? But the Phillies have value today. It's a home dog. But we're looking to take the under the total in this one. Check the wind. Forecast calls for a windy day. Wind blowing straight in from center field. When that happens over the last 17 years, unders hit 55% of the time when the uh, wind is higher than five miles per hour. There's your nerd stat of the day. The only question about today, Luis Castillo. Who do we get? Do we get the lousy one from April and May and his last start? Or do we get the Cy Young-worthy pitcher of June and July? The answer of that question will tell you who cashes the tickets today. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk for handicapping perspective. Coming up after the break, it's the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next right here on ESPN Radio 1,300. 
and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thank you so much for listening on this Saturday morning. We appreciate it. It's time now for the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How do we celebrate cashing a ticket in the desert? Of course, with a Mac Daddy Stogie from Jake Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. As they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us. Check them out, jakescigarbar.com. Tell them the bottom line section, you'll get the VIP treatment. jakescigarbar.com. Well, if you were paying attention last week, uh, you're feeling pretty good about yourself today. We gave you two NFL preseason trends that covered four picks over the last couple of nights, and all four of them cast your tickets. So for those of you who say you can't make a profit off these NFL preseason games, there's further proof uh, that you're probably wrong. Our preseason trends, uh, one of them that we love to play, the totals. Anytime you see a total of 35 or less, and you see them in these preseasons because the general consensus is, oh, you've got all these backup quarterbacks, they all stink. Yeah, you want to go over the total on these. It's still football. We always like to go under the totals in the regular season, but we like to say uh, we root against human achievement in those games. But since 2005... When the total in an NFL preseason game is 35 or less, in the first two weeks of the preseason especially, the over hits 58% of the time. That's 87 to 63. And we have five, count them, five examples of that today. I'm not going to sit here and read them all off to you. You can read them on your own uh, somewhere. But we will tell you that the Bengals in Tampa Bay are one of those. The total in that game right now, 33 and a half. Now we might need to check the weather in this when they're talking about some uh, late afternoon storms as they always have in Florida this time of year. But we'll take the over in this one, over 33.5. Bengals and uh, Tampa down in, uh, down in Florida. And if you're watching that Bengals game tonight, I wouldn't have much faith in them against the spread. Sure, you always look to go against the defending Super Bowl champions, but the Bengals aren't going to have much at quarterback in these preseason games. Joe Burrow is not playing tonight and probably won't play the entire preseason. So the backup plan to Joe Burrow, who's returning from this injury-shortened rookie season from last year, not very promising. Brandon Allen, Kyle Shermer, Eric Dungy. Yeah, those are household names. Who are you going to beat with those guys? It might get ugly offensively in some of these games with this set of backup quarterbacks. While Tampa's quarterbacks, Tom Brady, you know him, Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask, and Ryan Griffin, not to be confused with Brian Griffin from Family Guy, uh, Shapoopy indeed, But they tell us Tom Brady will uh, play one or two series of this one. So as far as the Bengals go tonight, we'll go over the total. If it somehow gets to 35, we'll pass. But uh, no play on the Bengals tonight. Can you trust those quarterbacks? And the line is six in this game. That's too many points for us. That means something is in the wind. Our other NFL preseason trend that's already hit three out of five this preseason, short dogs. The underdogs between one and three points. They've hit 55% since 2005. Why? These games are coin flips, yes. But also, nobody wants to go to overtime in these games. Teams will go for two. They'll do whatever it takes to not have to play extra football in a fifth quarter. During the regular season, you're always looking to take underdogs three and a half and seven and a half because so many games end with a three or a seven-point margin. That doesn't fit for the preseason. The magic number, two and a half, because nobody's going to want to go overtime. Line ranges have proven very telling in these preseason games. The odds makers have essentially led betters to the water in the preseason. They're like tantalizing you, though it's uh, easy to get uh, locked in on these. But since 2010, 
There's only been five teams that have been favored by more than seven points. All five of them lost against the spread. And at the same time, when you see that mid-range three-and-a-half to seven line, like you see Tampa Bay tonight, it's very, uh, it hasn't been very reliable for either side. Both sides hitting 50% against the spread. But the games to look at when you have a team minus one to minus three, the underdogs in those games, they hit 60.2% of the time since 2015, 127 up, 84 down. So we're looking to take the short three-point or less dogs. We got four games like that today. Denver at Minnesota. The Broncos started a one-and-a-half-point dog. Now they're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Minnesota. Of course, we all know Minnesota has COVID issues. They have quarterback issues. Their quarterback won't even get vaccinated. But we talk about this guy all the time. Mike Zimmer, their coach, he is the best coach in the NFL preseason, this side of John Harbaugh, the Ravens. We'll take the Vikings, getting two-and-a-half as a home dog against Denver today. Cleveland and Jacksonville. Jacksonville started out a four-point dog. Now they're a three-point favorite against the Browns. That's a huge line move. Public all over Urban Meyer and Jacksonville. Uh, Atlanta had a rookie coach. Their line moved crazy last night, too. They lost that game by 20. We'll fade Urban Meyer in this one. Give us Cleveland in three. I'm sorry. We'll just take Cleveland in three in this one. Of course, the Battle of New York. Uh, Two terrible teams. Public on the Jets, and the Giants look like a disaster. Uh, Daniel Jones not even playing for the Giants tonight. But who are these Jets quarterbacks? Let me name these guys off for you. Zach Wilson, Mike White, James Morgan, Josh Johnson. You want to put your money on those guys? Have fun. We'll take the uh, Giants getting two and a half tonight. And our last game, uh, the Raiders and Seattle. First game ever for the Raiders at their new home stadium with fans. And now the Raiders have gone to a two and a half point favorite. Mainly, that's everybody in Las Vegas betting on the favorites and going to the game. Uh, we'll take Seattle in this one. Pete Carroll, very proven coach of the preseason. He likes to win these games. Marcus Mariota, not playing for the Raiders tonight. So the Raiders will be playing Nathan Peterman a light uh, a lot tonight. Go look at his career numbers, including possibly the worst game in NFL history a few years ago. Uh, yeah, we'll fade that. We'll take Seattle tonight. And uh, the NFL preseason so far, unlike the NFL, Major League Baseball, the favorites are killing it right now the last few days. Favorites 9-4 and four on Friday. If you've taken all the favorites in Major League Baseball the last 10 days, you're doing very well because the favorites have won 98 and lost 35 in Major League Baseball. That's 73.7%. So instead of Starbucks this morning, we're drinking tap water. That's all we can afford. But, uh, but if you can think a streak like that is going to stop us, you don't listen to this show very much because we've got a live dog in baseball too tonight. The Cardinals and the Royals. Cardinals won last night as favorites. Tonight, the Cardinals favorite again. John Lester, he's seen better days. He's got a 5.57 ERA. They'll go to Kansas City, who has Brad Keller, 5.79 ERA. This line opened Cardinals, short favorite. Royals, the home dog. The public loves the Cardinals in this spot because they're happy to lay that short little number, and all these favorites are coming in. But the Royals are the play here. The wise guy money has moved this line down. The Royals are about a plus 100 right now with the majority on the Cardinals. So we got reverse line movement. That's always a positive sign for the dog. We'll take the Royals in this one. Getting uh, getting very little public uh, money, but they're getting the wise guy action. The Royals against lefties this year. Lester uh, pitching for the Cardinals. He's a lefty. They're 19-16. and 16. That's a good sign for the Royals. Pro's also looking at the under in this one. But we'll take the Royals as the home dog 
In an interleague game, these interleague games, the home team doing very well in these games this year, hitting 58%. We'll take the Royals over the Cardinals as our underdog. So a ton of picks tonight. Take all five overs in the NFL where the total is 35 or less. That includes the Bengals, the Bucks. We'll take the short underdogs with line moves, Minnesota, Cleveland, Giants, Seattle, and we'll take the Royals of Major League Baseball. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I need a I need a stogie right now just after saying that all on the radio. If you can't cash, cash tickets for these tonight, we can't help you. So on a huge night for picks, you can take those bad boys to the desert and to Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing and smoke them. Coming up next, it's our nemesis here at LM Communications. He is the, the uh, head honcho over at Classic Rock 92.1, Dead Air Dennis Dillon. We're going to be having a uh, football pick segment coming up during the NFL season on Sundays, but we're going to get a little taste of that here uh, coming up after the break. That's right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. We thank you so much for listening uh, this morning. But, oh, boy, do we have a treat for you right now. It's an NFL Saturday. We've got 10, count of 10, NFL preseason games tonight, including your Cincinnati Bengals heading to Tampa to take on Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. And this season, on the Sunday edition of The Bottom Line, we will be picking games against the point spread against our next guest. And, in fact, we already have two sponsors for this Titanic battle, Johnny's Kentucky Roadshow. Uh, if you want to look for some sports collectibles, head on down there uh, and see our good friends Jimmy and David. KentuckyRoadShow.com. And, of course, they're back. You've heard of uh, you've heard of, of the saying, a friend in need is a friend indeed. But on the, pot- the bottom line, a friend in need is a pest. So call our friend Matt Schaefer at IPM Pest and Termite to get rid of your pest today. Check him out online, MyIPM.com. That's MyIPM.com. And speaking of pests in need of extermination, that brings us to our next guest. He is the oh, afternoon drive host at our sister station, Classic Rock 92.1, and he immediately disrespected me a while back when I pitched the brilliant idea of Winger Wednesdays, and this guy claims to be a Classic Rock expert. I don't know why. That should tell you how much in touch he is, but he did give us plenty of horse racing winners back in the spring. He's dead air Dennis Dillon of Classic Rock. Dennis, how you doing this, for, uh, this Saturday morning, my friend? <laughs> Oh, that's quite the intro there, all you, uh, all you turnip pullers and donkey wallopers. Welcome to the rock bottom line with Brad Taylor and Dead Air Dennis. Listen, we're going head to head this NFL season, and it starts today, right now. Let's go, Brad. What you got? Oh, I got plenty. But I, I, how do you pick these preseason games, Dennis? Do you put? We said earlier in the show we think you put dog food in two bowls and you put your dog in whatever side they choose is whatever you pick. Now, how do you pick these preseason games? I know you're not putting money out in the desert on these games, but if you were to pick, oh, I don't know, the Bengals and Tampa Bay tonight, Bengals a six point underdog. What are you actually looking for if you were to pick this game? Not only am I such a degenerate and bad gambler that I eat the other bowl of dog food because that's all I can afford. Boom. Wow. He's, Brad. That's why he's a professional, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> drop, drop the mic on that one. But let's look at these. How about these Bengals? Six and a half wins for the season this year. Do you think that's an yeah, over? over? Or Oh, you're over. over. Why is that? Over. Oh, my God. They're going to win so many games this year. It's going to be – it's going to spin heads. It's going to spin heads. Roger Goodell is going to pull an exorcist Linda Blair on us this year. He's not even going to know what to think. Yeah, I'm They're sure. going to find a way to keep, 
they're going to find a way to keep more Bengals out of the uh, out of the Hall of Fame, and uh, and the Bengals are going to like take it to the house this year. Now you've I been, think. yeah, ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. Yes, uh, the bottom line with Brad Taylor and uh, football expert using that term expert very loosely, Dennis Dillon. I have seen you around here uh, wearing your Bengals hat. I mean, I wear stylish hats that are the new era fitted hats. They're about 40 bucks a pop. Yours, you look like you could fold up and put in your back pocket. Are you really a Bengals fan, or are you just like wearing the hat just to torture me? Listen, Brad, I'm going to shoot you straight here. I am a Bengals fan, and I have suffered for these low many years. Okay, so let's just, let's just go easy on me because my heart is tender and my head can only take so much. But I, uh, my, my dad was a, uh, a Browns fan, and then when, the, you know, when uh, Paul Brown and all that happened and the AFC added the Bengals, my dad immediately became a Bengals fan, which was right around the time I was you know, a kid, a pup, and, uh, and I became a Bengals fan because of my, my great dad. So there you go, and I'm not turning my back now. It's too late to go back. How far back do you go with these Bengals again? What's like your first all memory? The- all the way back to the beginning, man. 1969, wow. 1970. Good Lord, how old, old are you, man? You're Listen, serious. we don't talk about No, we don't? That's not, that's not part of the segment. That's no, not on not. my agenda. Oh, okay, all right. All right, ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor and Dennis Dillon from Classic Rock, 92.1. Yeah, I go back to Ken Anderson. That's my first memory of the Bengals. But I do have a, an I'll issue. I'll tell you this. Okay. Give me this factoid, Brad. Oh, man. I remember the Bengals kicker. His name was Horse Muleman. I am not making that up. Look it up. Horse Muleman. H O R S T. Horst Muleman. Uh, did we get it? Did we get him in our fantasy league? I don't think we did. That was our fantasy <laughs> kicker for the week. I don't know if it, daily DFS. I'm not sure if he was. Uh, his salary was too high that week for us to put on our team. But, uh, yeah, everyone here in this, uh, everybody, it's, it's the buzz going around the offices here that you and I are going to have this picking contest here come, uh, come football season. Why is everybody here rooting for you so openly to beat me? It's, it's almost like that the uh, powers that be are rooting very much for me to fall flat on my face. What have you been doing to these people, Dylan? Well, I buy them off the same way I do everyone. Oh, yeah, well, that explains everything. See, that's the problem, you 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 don't you're you're you don't reach into the back pocket and pull out some green. You got you got to spread a little bit of love, you know, and so you got to got to marinate the people a little bit, you know, and get them on your side, and then and then, and then your your life is golden after that. Oh, is that how it goes? You got to pay people off. That's how you win here at uh, here in the uh, <laughs> palatial studios here at uh, LF Communications. Pay everybody off. Just make sure you're walking around with twenty dollar bills and just throw them at people. That's I need to write that one down. That's good to know, Dylan. And it tells me that's how I make sure I don't. That's how I make sure I don't get my legs broken. Well, no, you, I, you, you, sent me, you sent me a text last night, and you said everybody was on my side in this picking contest. I haven't heard a word about that, so that's, that's unique. That's funny. Well, but, uh, maybe they just tell no. me they want me to lose. I think that's the thing. I don't think they're rooting for you. I think they're rooting against me. I think that's the thing. <laughs> There's a big difference, kind of like the presidential <laughs> election last year. I don't think a whole lot of people were voting for Biden. I think they were voting against Trump. It's that kind of kind of mentality when we come to this picking. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor and Dennis Dillon, who claims to uh, be a uh, football picking expert for the NFL. Uh, by the way, your uh, 
you're picking. Tell us how you handicap these games, Dylan. We need to. I need some insight for how I can pick and fade against you because a lot of people, if you fade certain people's picks on in the media, you make quite a little uh, stash of money. How do you pick these games? Is it really the dog food or what? Listen, honestly, I like. I'm more infatuated by the conversation about how you pick the games because you do crunch numbers. I don't crunch numbers, man. I just. You know what I do? I look at the season. I look at the schedule. I look at where they've been. I look at where they come from. I look at where they're going, and I look at who's hurt and who's in, who's out, and and and, and sometimes I look at the history of the matchups. But that's about it, honestly. And, it's, and for the preseason games, I don't do anything. <laughs> I just spin the wheel and go, okay, there you go. Yeah, you're... But, by, but 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 you're going to want to take the Bengals tonight. In fact, I might take the Bengals on the money line. What's the money line on that game? Ooh, but minus six. That's got to be a plus two fifty in that range. But I will say, yeah. I'm, going, I'm going over. It's thirty three and a half. I'm going over that total. Are you with me, Dennis Dillon? Uh, no, I can't be with you on that. You're not. That's, that's oh. no, I don't think so. No, I don't think I don't think either one of these teams want to lose any players. I think they're going to play soft and easy, and uh, that's the kind. Of, I think it's going to be one of those uh, nineteen to sixteen games, kind of like that Cardinals game last night. Well, here you go, yeah. nineteen to sixteen. That would be over thirty three and a half. That would be over. Though. That would be over. See, yeah, you just predicted yeah. it yourself. There you go. But well, Joe, maybe it is then. Joe, yeah, maybe it is. There's very low totals in these preseason games because of conventional wisdom like you're just spitting out. But Joe Burrow not playing tonight for the Bengals. He probably won't play the whole preseason. So you're looking at an opportunity. Yeah, it's probably an opportunity. You don't know the other Bengals quarterbacks. We just went over them a minute ago. Brandon Allen and uh, you know guys they just fi- found off the street. that will be bagging groceries in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, so you can't really go with the Bengals. <laughs> So are there, uh, as we uh, leave you today, Dennis Dillon, I know you have a big day coming up and you've got some other promotions. What are you uh, up to uh, today with the Classic Rock crew? And uh, what else do you have to tell us about football for this coming season? Well, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to Chris and Ray who are doing some window tinting on my Jeep today here at Lexington Lifted over on Palumbo. So there's a shout-out right there. Uh, later this evening, we have to do Picnic with the Pops out at Keeneland. So we're hoping for dry weather and uh, and the great music of the Beatles with uh, with the Pops. So that's going to be fun. And uh, and no gigs tonight for me and Brian Himes. So we, we will not be in the uh, in the clubs and in the dirty houses, in the back rooms, in the alleyways, singing our songs of love and protest. So tonight's going to be a kind of a low key night for Dead Air Dennis. Although there may be a Chevy Chase in spotting later tonight. It, it happens. What are you doing, Brad? That's that. Well, you know what? We're not. This isn't about me. This is about you. This is about Dead Air Dennis. You're all around town. You're you're. You know, I saw you play music a few weeks back. You were great, and I couldn't recommend any more for a nice, relaxing evening on the town to sit back and listen to Dead Air Dennis play some tunes. Tom Petty. He loves his Tom Petty. I thought that was great. Oh. The stuff you did with him. I thought you yeah, outstanding. Last before we leave, bottom line it for us. Number of wins for the Bengals this season. Uh. You know, I'm going to try it. I'm going for an optimistic eight. Eight. Okay. Well, the, yeah. the the desert says six and a half, so you're going to say eight, so you're going over. Yeah. Well, the desert's always going to go low on, on something like that because, you know, it's the Bengals, and uh, nobody really is going to believe in them until they have a reason to believe in them. And and last year, you know, last year was last year, and this year's this year, and uh, you can't always go year to year with these things because of injuries and things like that, but... You know, if Burrow stays healthy, I think they can win eight games. So, you know. Last year's, last year's last year, and this year's this year. And by the way, I want Life. you 
I want you to reconsider. Bryce is a Bengals fan. Yeah, that's true. I want you to reconsider Winger Wednesdays. That's a real cash cow waiting to happen. Dennis, <laughs> tell us where we can find you, where we can find you on the radio and all that stuff on social media. Afternoons from 3 until 7 o'clock on Classic Rock 92.1. Playing the Classic Rock every afternoon, 3 to 7. Come see me. Come join me. Come call in. Come win a contest. Come have some fun. Come crank it up. He's our friend. He's Dead Air Dennis Dillon. Hey, sir, we thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to this football thing later this season when the regular season gets started. You might actually have some analysis for us other than uh, whatever might, you gave I, us today. Yeah, I might have some true analysis yeah. for you then. That's yeah. right. Yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for uh, yeah, tipping the midnight oil last night, getting ready for this segment. I really appreciate that. Very uh, I'm sorry I'm so raspy today, man. My apologies. You're awesome, dude. I I appreciate you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Brad. All right, man. Keep rocking. That's Dead Air Dennis Dillon uh, with that uh, in-depth analysis that only he could give. That's just a taste of what you'll have during the regular season this year. He will be more prepared during the regular season. I just think he's not the preseason type. But uh, coming up after the break, we will get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio right here. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio, 1,300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. We want to thank Dead Air Dennis Dillon of Classic Rock 92.1 for joining us. Hey, what did we learn today on the bottom line? Well, the Sean-o-meter could be used to, uh, for the Suarez-o-meter if you'd like to uh, try to make a little quick dollar like they did back in the 80s because you've got two guys who were terrible batting averages who can only go up. So it only looks like you know what you're doing. Our NFL trends are hitting at a nice pace now. We've got all kinds of picks for today. Uh, if you want to go to our podcast, WLXG.com, just a few minutes after the show, you'll be able to re-listen to our reasoning and our picks for the uh, NFL tonight. And we just heard Dead Air Dennis Dillon. Uh, not exactly uh, shy about being a fan of the Bengals. He says eight wins for the Bengals this year. Eh, we don't think it's going to be that many. But, hey, it's okay to be hopeful right before the season starts. It's like spring training. Everybody's got hope. Even in the NFL right now, everybody's got hope. That's what we learned today. But coming up tonight on ESPN Radio, don't forget we have the Phillies and the Reds. That's today at 335 on ESPN Radio. Reds right now a minus 140 favorite. Luis Castillo versus Matt Moore. We went over that earlier in the show. Uh, the Phillies have the value today. It's the home underdog. What you're basically betting on if you're on the Reds is that Castillo will be like he was in June and July, not his last start. But that does it for this edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Make sure to email us, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. And until the next time, as always, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Until the next time, may the winners be yours.